0: Christ is risen. Easter changes everything. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. I have stood here <clears throat> on many occasions and begun the service with these words. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Behold, I died, but I am alive forevermore. And because I live, you shall live also. And then I transition into this. We have gathered here this day to witness to our faith as we celebrate the life of someone. It's interesting, isn't it, that every funeral begins with those words, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the beginning and the end. Behold, I died, but I am alive forevermore, and because I live, you shall live also. We celebrate at funerals. People can say, and they did in the first century, that it's a strange thing to do. It seems odd and it seems out of place, but because of this day, it is not. It's very normal for the Christians to find a way to joy and to find a way to celebrate in the midst of heartbreak and heartache. So every funeral in this church starts with those words, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Because I live, you shall live also. We witness to our faith when we gather to celebrate the life of someone. The only thing I would say to you is make sure you give the preacher a lot to talk about. Give, him, give that preacher plenty. Uh, to use uh, for you. Don't live a a stingy life. Live a generous life and live a glorious and faithful life. And the preacher won't have to get up here and think to herself, what in the world am I going to say about Chuck? Uh, They'll be able to say much about you because you lived it. Because you lived your faith. Because you were faithful to your last day. Because what characterized your life was faith and hope and love. You were a bridge builder. You brought people together. You helped connect people. You really believed and lived the commandment that we are to love one another as Christ loves us. You didn't spend your time on piddling things. You spent your life and invested your life on important things. There was a time in the church when they decided we need to think up the most egregious sins and we need to identify them so that Christians, those who are seeking to follow Christ, don't fall into the trap of these particular sins. And when they thought about these sins and they listed them, they came up with eight deadly sins. You don't hear it that way because they took one out at one point in time. At one point, there were eight deadly sins. Now there are seven deadly sins. Some of you might even know what they are. Pride and envy and gluttony and greed... You know, those kinds of things. But you know what the eighth one was? The eighth deadly sin was sadness. And they took sadness out. You see, Jesus said, I came that your joy may be complete. I didn't come that you might have a teaspoon of joy. I came to give you complete joy. In fact, He promised this, I give you joy that no one can ever take away. It's yours. It's steadfast. It's there. It doesn't come and go. Happiness is about circumstances. Joy is about Easter. Joy is about God. Joy is about what God gives us. And so the eighth deadly sin was sadness. Because for us to walk around long-faced and sad all the time is to spoil our witness. It is to compromise our witness. Because Jesus said, I came that your joy may be complete. Frederick Buechner once wrote, the worst things are never the last things. He wrote it this way, in the great economy of God, the worst things are never the last things. Think about it. They're not. That's why we have hope. That's why we have joy in the midst of whatever we experience because we know that the worst things are never the last thing. Sometimes we think they are, but they are not. Someone somewhere this week was invited to come into their supervisor's office and they were told, I'm sorry, but we've got to let you go. Business hasn't been what we hoped it would be. And as a result, we've got to let you go. And that person may have children at home and they have to find a way to go home and talk with their children about that. They have to find a way to scrape together what they can to put food on that table and a roof over those heads. And somebody had a doctor's appointment this week. And they walked into that doctor's appointment and they waited for that doctor to return. And when that doctor did, the doctor looked at them with a somber expression on her face. And she said to that patient, I'm so sorry, but you have a real serious illness. And it was this gnawing thing. It's as if someone knocked the breath out of them. And their mind began to race and spin and wonder. What does this mean? How much time do I have? And someone this week was told by someone they love, I don't love you anymore. I may not be able to explain it, but I just don't. Love you anymore. And a heart was broken, it was crushed. But Easter says, Easter declares the worst things they are never. Forever, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself so that where I am, you may be also. The worst things, they are never the last things. That is a declaration of Easter. I would be telling you something that is not true if I said we go through this life without pain. We go through this life without heartache. We go through this life without tragedy and trials and tribulations. So I would never tell you that, but what I will tell you is that today has something to say about all of that. And that is Easter declares to you and to me the worst things, they are never the last things. Whenever we have a funeral, I'll also usually say this, destination determines morale. What do you think about that? Destination determines morale. You ever see a kid go to get an ice cream and that same kid go to the dentist? You notice any difference there? Destination determines morale. You and I, we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. We must live in that promise. We must live in this world in the promise that this is not all there is. Because the worst things are never the last things. And enjoy the glories of this life and the joy that you can take in. But know that your joy will be greater. that one day you will not have a temporary address. You'll have an eternal one. Did you know that George Friedrich Handel and Jimi Hendrix were next-door neighbors? They were. They're 200 years apart, but they were next-door neighbors. Jimi Hendrix lived at 23 Brook Street, Mayfair, London. And George Friedrich Handel lived at 25 Brook Street, Mayfair, London, next door neighbors, Handel and Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix once said, When the power of love overcomes the love of power, our world would have peace. I've never quoted Jimi Hendrix in church, (laughs) never imagined that I would, but that's not bad, is it? When the power of love overcomes the love of power, our world will have peace. That's the message of the gospel. Handel probably wrote the most familiar oratorio in Western civilization Messiah. We associate Messiah with the hallelujah chorus. And it makes sense that we do. But my favorite of the Messiah is, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Do you know where that comes from? We think, well, that probably comes from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It doesn't come from the New Testament, much less those Gospels. That comes from one of the darkest, saddest books in the entire Scripture. That comes out of the mouth of a man who was suffering beyond anything I can imagine. That comes from the book of Job in the 19th chapter, the 21st 25th verse, this man struggling in the depth of darkness, this man whose life had completely fallen apart, this man whose story was just tragedy, declares, I know that my Redeemer lives. And every time I hear that in Messiah, it lifts my heart. What in the world do I have to complain about? Job knew in the midst of the most difficult and darkest time of his life that his Redeemer lived. We gather this day and we know something beyond these circumstances. We know something beyond this moment. We know something beyond this life. And that must inform us, that must imbue us in terms of how we live. We don't have time to waste on death. We don't have time to waste on destruction. We don't have time to waste on division. We've got too much to do in the name of Christ. We've got too much to declare to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Christ is risen. Easter changes everything. The worst things are never the last things. It's not possible. The Easter is my favorite day of the year. <clears throat> second, Christmas is second, but Easter is my favorite. And my third favorite is opening day of baseball. That's my third favorite <laughs> day of the year. And that was this past Thursday. Baseball began once again. And I watched the Braves lose. <laughs> And I watched them again yesterday lose. But you know what they say early in the season in baseball? Yeah, spring training in these first days. Hope springs eternal. Even if we're terrible, we've got a chance right now. It's so early in the season, we're not that far behind, so hope springs eternal. But then they reach August in what they call the dog days of August when it's brutally hot. And teams are 25 games out of first place and they know they have no chance to win anything and hope no longer springs eternal in that moment. Next week, besides Holy Week, is my favorite week of the year. It's all kind of coming together. Holy Week and then Master's Week. Those are my two favorite weeks of the year. Now, Holy Week's first and Master's Week is second, but I'm not telling you, we've got Easter opening day in the Masters. It's like, I don't know what that is. That's like, my cup really does runneth over. And when the tournament begins next Thursday, everybody in the field will have a chance. Everybody in the field will hope, maybe, perhaps... They're going to receive that green jacket at the end of that golf tournament. They're going to be crowned a master's champion. And no one can ever take that away from them. That's a lifetime achievement award. But they get on the back nine on Sunday, and you know what most of them realize? I got no shot. I got no shot. Hope doesn't spring eternal, but yes, it does. Biblical hope is not about the passion of the possible. Biblical hope is about the passion of the promise. That God has promised us certain things. And one of the things that God has promised you is that this world is not conclusion. A sequel stands beyond. Invisible as music, but positive as sound. Emily Dickinson was right. She was right. So hope springs eternal, brothers and sisters. Maybe not in a baseball season or a golf tournament. But in the real world, you bet your life on it. I called Josh yesterday because Josh is my go-to guy, Josh Miles. Josh is my go-to guy if I need to know anything. Josh knows, I think, just about every fight song at every college and university. It's amazing. I mean, think of some obscure fight song from some obscure college. I asked him one time, okay, how about Michigan State? And he launches in, and I realized, wow, they have a pretty good fight song, you know. But he knows them all. He, uh, he loves Georgia. And so I wanted to make sure I got all the details correct because Josh knows pretty much everything from 1985 forward. A little bit before that because his dad played on that 80 team. Uh, if you want your details for the entire history, of Georgia football, you go to Mark Maxwell, who's sitting up there in the booth, because you'll say uh, something about Catfish Smith and Albie Booth from 1914 or whenever it was. And Josh will say, I mean, Mark will say, yes, Catfish Smith had eight tackles that day, and he returned to fumble, and he also kicked a field goal or something. And then he'll tell you how much yardage Albie Booth from Yale gained that day. So if you really want to know the documentarian, you know, you go to Mark, but if you want to know kind of the, you know, uh, peripheral. So yesterday I called Josh. I said, all right, Josh. I said, tell me, you know, just every detail about uh, the cheer that we do down there. I'm hoping that in the fall, we'll have enough people down there to do it, but you know, you've been there, you know, when it starts and this uh, one side says Georgia and, One side said Bulldogs, and I wanted to get the details on it. Of course, Josh is, I'm just trying to get, one side says Georgia, and one side says Bulldogs. Make sure that's, you know, it's been a while since I've been to a game. And uh, I thought that was right, but I wanted to get it clarified. And here's how Josh tells me. It's Georgia and it's Bulldogs. Okay, north side, north side, let's say Georgia. South side, south side, let's say Bulldogs. Ready? Let's go! And that's how he did it to me. And I said, okay, north side, south side, let's go Georgia Bulldogs. And they do it. And I like that moment when they do that. I like it because it says all those 90,000 people, 92,000 something, I'm sorry. You'll correct me this week with an email and... (laughs) It's not really. Don't do that. It's unnecessary, okay? But anyway, those, those thousands of people who've packed in there, they're letting you know who they love and who they're for. And, and they're not people in the, in, in the stands who are saying, you know, Georgia. There's not, you know, like 5,000 who are saying Clemson. Because, I mean, they'd get beat up if they did that. You know, and there's not people over here saying, you know, I don't know what Auburn is. They're the Plainsman, they're War Eagle, and they're the type. They can't, they're schizophrenic. They don't know who they are either. (laughs) But anyway, saying Tigers or whatever it is that they, they say. It's Georgia and it's Bulldogs. It's Georgia and it's Bulldogs. And we're not going to do it here, but you know what I'm talking about. And it's a sense of community. We're all in here and we're all pulling for the same team. Most people are dressed in red and in black. And it's a good moment. It's not an ugly moment. It's just an encouraging moment that these folks who probably don't agree about another thing can sit here side by side and at least say Georgia bulldogs. Sometimes we so struggle, don't we, to come together? Just come on, you know. Don't you say that sometimes to yourself and to the world you're living in? Come on! We can do better than this. This is not God's intention for us. Jesus talked about unity about as much as anything else. And he said unity had to be grounded in love. It's not grounded in anything else. not true unity. So ground yourself in love. This is my commandment, he said, that you love one another the way I've loved you. That's my commandment. He didn't give us but one. Surely we can do that. But sometimes we don't. And it's been going on for the entire history of the church. The church cannot even decide when Easter day is really we we've debated it from from early days the the eastern church said easter day should be somewhere around the passover and they wanted to do you know they wanted to decide that this would be easter day we have christmas day but easter the church decided well the eastern church said it should be somewhere around passover because that's what happened during the Passover. The Western church said, no, it it should be connected with spring. It should be the first Sunday following a full moon on or after the vernal equinox. (laughs) That's That's how our ancestors decided Easter would be. And so that's when it is for the Western church. And Passover and such is for the Eastern church. We couldn't even decide on the same day for Easter. So we've always kind of struggled a little bit. Sometimes I think there's greater unity with Georgia Bulldogs than there is with Jesus as Savior and Lord. Sometimes we so focus on all those things that make us different that that we lose in the midst of that anything that calls us together. We debate and argue about all manner of things, even Easter Day and when it should be. So it's not new to the church, but there is one thing, at least, on which we have no disagreement. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And there's no daylight between us on that one. In the church it became the custom and the tradition that the preacher would say Christ is risen and the congregation would say He is risen indeed. Kind of like Georgia Bulldogs, but a whole, whole, whole lot more important. A whole, whole, whole lot more meaningful. Sometimes we might even get that confused. But I would say to you this morning, Christ is risen. That wasn't bad. Christ is risen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh i